0: Good morning and welcome to worship at Hillhead Baptist, Um, welcome especially to a couple of people who are with us for the first time this morning and I hope that you'll stay for a cup of tea or coffee after the service so that we can get to know you better. Um, I'm leading our worship this morning and my name's Holly, I'm the church secretary here and I'll be in conversation with Willie Miller so we're testing out the technology by having one of us on Zoom and one of us here in the hotel so we will uh, see how that goes but uh, all prayers appreciated. Um, I, for one, am really excited to hear what Willie will be sharing with us. Um, In family news, they're not with us this morning, but we are delighted to hear that Annis has successfully completed the first year of her three-year Bachelor's of Nursing degree at Cali. Um, apparently with outstanding results in her coursework and excellent feedback from patients and staff on placements. Now she wasn't blowing her own trumpet, that was uh, someone else letting me know that she's done exceptionally well and what an achievement to be proud of at the start of what will hopefully be a long and distinguished nursing career. Uh, We keep her in our our prayers as she starts her second year. Uh, Not to be outdone, Essan has um, successfully completed his Master's in Quantity Surveying. So congratulations to both of them and uh, look out for some pictures in the key, I'm sure. Our uh, midweek conversations group will meet on Tuesday at 7pm on Zoom and we'll consider the topic, What Brought You to Hillhead Baptist Church? Um, The eagle-eyed, eagle-eared among you will uh, perhaps recognise that that's also what Willie and I are talking about later in the service. So we uh, hope to see uh, many of you then so that we can hear your stories too. Uh, Next week we will meet as usual here in the hotel and Graham Meeklejohn will lead our worship. These are all our notices. As I segue seamlessly into the call to worship, which this morning is a selection of verses from Psalm 103 in the voice translation. O my soul, come, praise the Eternal, with all that is in me, body, emotions, mind and will, every part of who I am, praise his holy name. The Eternal is compassionate and merciful, when we cross all the lines, he is patient with us. When we struggle against him, he lovingly stays with us, changing, convicting, prodding. He will not criticise, nor will he hold a grudge forever. Thankfully, God does not punish us for our sins as we deserve. In his mercy, he tempers justice with peace. Measure how high heaven is above the earth, God's wide, loving, kind heart is even greater for those who revere him. We stand if we are able to join in our first hymn, Gather Us In.
1: Here in this place new light is streaming Now is the darkness vanished away See in this space our fears and our dreaming brought here to you in the light of this day. Gather us in the lost and forsaken, gather us in the blind and the lame, call to us now and we shall awaken, we shall arise at the sound of your name. We are the young, our lives are a mystery, we are the old who yearn for your face. We have been sung throughout all of history, called to be light to the whole human race. Gather us in the rich and the haughty. gather us in the proud and the strong give us a heart so meek and so lowly give us the courage to enter the song not in the dark of buildings confining not in some heaven light years away but here in this place the new light is streaming now is the key In and hold us forever. Gather us in and make us your own. Gather us in, all peoples together. Fire our
0: love in our flesh and our
2: own.
0: Everyone's in good voice this morning. <laughs> Uh, We join together in prayer. At the end of this prayer, we are invited to join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer, in whichever language or version comes most naturally. Let us pray.
2: You are
0: the word beyond all words, the calm at the core of every storm the energy that sustains all of creation you are present in our pain in our laughter in our longings all of these you share yet your gift to us is so much more so open us up god we who are closed whose thoughts are well-rehearsed, whose prayers are predictable. Open us up to depths that we have not yet explored, truths that we have avoided, paths that we have not yet followed, beauty we have yet to see. And above all, open us to Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, one question what would you ask oh I'm seeing a couple of faces that suggest maybe there's more than one question (laughs) would it be a big question or would it be a little question would you waste your opportunity on something we? or is this going to be a one of life's big big questions anyone want to hazard telling me it feels like a very personal question to ask actually It could be how the world was made. It could be, are there aliens out there on some other planet? Maybe it's about why bad things happen. When Jesus was on Earth, people asked him absolutely tons of questions. They asked him questions like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is the greatest commandment? Who is my neighbour? How did Jesus answer people's questions? Did he like a clear answer? No. <laughs> um, Jesus often told stories or parables, and sometimes he asked them questions right back. Um, in fact, of the apparently 183 questions that people asked Jesus in the Gospels, and I, I googled that, I didn't count them. <laughs> um, So I'm going to trust my Google search, 183 questions. He only gives direct answers to a tiny handful of them. Jesus asked loads of questions. Even when he was a child, he was found sitting among the teachers in the temple asking them really good questions. Back to Google, um, Jesus is recorded as having asked 307 questions in the gospels. Sometimes Jesus asked pretty easy questions, you know, who touched me? Or uh, what happens when salt loses its saltiness? Doesn't that make it useless? Sometimes really hard questions that didn't seem to have an answer. And sometimes he frustratingly answered people's questions with more questions. So often Jesus used questions to make people think. Um, I asked at the start what question you would ask God. I confess, I ask God questions all the time. Questions like, what should I do next? What's going on here? (laughs) Or perhaps on a good day, how can I be a better follower of Jesus? And God answers those questions in lots of different ways. Sometimes I find the answers in the Bible or in conversations with my friends Sometimes um, I find out that the answer to my question is a lot more questions, and I'm really glad that Jesus showed us in the Gospels that questions are a really good thing. So I, I did say to Emma before the service started that I hope that means that people ask lots of questions in Sunday school. <laughs> so that's your challenge, is to think of some really good questions that you can use to pester Emma Emma, and Bethany. We're going to sing a song together now about all the ways God answers our questions. Lord, you sometimes speak in wonders.
2: to listen, cast the all-important
3: weakened faith without debate about his misgivings for instance one person may have faith strong enough to eat all kinds of food while another who is weaker eats only vegetables those who eat meat must not look down on those who do not and those who do not eat meat must not pass judgment on those who do for god has accepted them who are you to pass judgment on someone else's servant whether he stands or falls is his own master's business And stand he will, because his master has power to enable him to stand. Again, some make a distinction between this day and that. Others regard all days alike. Everyone must act on his own convictions. Those who honour the day honour the Lord, and those who eat meat also honour the Lord, since when they eat meat they give thanks to the Lord. And those who abstain have the Lord in mind when abstaining, since they too give thanks to God. For none of us lives, and equally none of us dies, for himself alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is why Christ died and lived again, to establish his lordship over both dead and living. You then, why do you pass judgment on your fellow Christian? And you, why do you look down on your fellow Christian? We shall all stand before God's tribunal. For we read in Scripture, As I live, says the Lord, to me every knee shall bow and every tongue acknowledge God. So you see, each of us will be answerable to God. <laughs>
1: Ser nuestro motto En cada hogar y corazón canta el señor que de nuestras vidas bondad y esperanza
0: Sí we've uh, reached the part in the service where we're testing the technology to its limits mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to have a natural conversation across two sites so hopefully this will be absolutely fine and I've said it enough that I've uh, it's going to be grand. <laughs> so Willie is uh, joining us this morning and we want to thank him for sharing this conversation with us and uh, for bravely doing it um on zoom and uh, what could possibly go wrong. So Willie welcome to start us off Uh, Many of us will have had a chance to get to know you and to get to know Valerie either in person or on Zoom. Um, And some won't know you so well and will be really keen to hear about what led to you joining us at Hillhead all the way from Wick. Um, Could you start by telling us a wee bit about yourself to start us off?
4: Yeah, thanks um, for the invitation to do this. We've been, you know, live, if you like, in Hillhead a couple of times. So many of you will have will, will met us, but for the sake of those who don't, I'm Willie, Willie Miller, married to Valerie, who's just popped off the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been married for 45 years. Um, if that seems like a long time, it didn't feel like a long time. <laughs> we wonder where time has gone. We've got three children. We've got 7.5 grandchildren. Mm-hmm. That is seven and one on the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering when they're going to stop, but... That's out with our control. Um, throughout my life, I've, I've had three vacations, you could say. I started off working for a company called Caithness Glass, which some of you may have heard of, and I trained for a while as a glass glassblower. Um, then I answered an advert in local paper. They were looking for a glass blower at the Dunry nuclear site, but found out that um, The skill set required was way, way, way above mine. So settled for a job on the production lines there, stayed there for about thirty years, worked latterly as a shift supervisor, Um, and then um, in my early fifties, I answered a call to ministry and spent four years studying at the Scottish Baptist College there in Paisley, and um, a number about six years then as the pastor in Dingwall Baptist Church before opting for. And early retirement. We'll get onto some of the reasons for that later. Valerie has worked for over 30 years in schools, particularly with children with special needs as learning support. We're both very passionate about running. We enjoy exercise. And also the old body is creeping these days and sometimes complement that with a bit of cycling. And Valerie does some swimming. I love fishing. We generally love the outdoors spending time with our grandchildren, two of which are in Australia, but so this time next week we'll be starting the long journey out there to visit them. So um, that, that, that's just a little bit about us.
0: I'm just going to share a wee bit with uh, um, other folks, Willie. So when Willie and I met to think through what um, he might like to share in this service, he mentioned a book that some of you might have read, and um, that book's called Faith After Doubt by the author Brian McLaren. Now, you don't have to have read the book to understand our conversation, but if you have read it, you might notice a bit of a shape to our conversation as we start in the early days of Willie's life and faith and then move through the the journey of faith and eventually what led him to join us at Hillhead. For those who haven't read it, McLaren charts the potential stages of a faith journey from simplicity through complexity, so thinking about asking lots of questions, Um, through something that he calls perplexity, I guess some people might call that the dark night of the soul, a time of struggle and doubt, um, to a place place that he calls harmony. So as I said you don't have to have read the book to understand the conversation but that's hopefully the shape of what we're going to take you through this morning. So to start us off Willie could you tell us a wee bit about the early days of your faith?
4: Yeah, I, I guess um, in the early days, I would, have, I would have shared a testimony like many people did. And they said that they went along to a church service and on a particular day you felt that the message was, was addressed to you and you responded to it, to it personally. So all of that is, is true to me from around about the age of 14. I think I forgot to say when I introducing myself and Barbara that we live here in Wick. Maybe I did say it, but um, that that's right up in the north north coast of Scotland. I lived in Thurso for a while as a boy and I think thinking back to the early days, I can't remember a time where I didn't believe there was a God or something there. It just seemed natural to think that. I wasn't brought up in a particularly Christian home. My mother had me, before she married, or as they said in those days, outside of wedlock, which was was quite a taboo I suppose. Um, And uh, For that reason i wasn't allowed to be baptized into the church of scotland or anything else so my mother wasn't a church member my stepfather we we had a difficult relationship because he had a a serious drink problem and could be quite a violent person but my mother encouraged probably and allowed me to go to a number of church things so sundays could be filled with going to a boys brigade bible class along to a church service Um, later in life some of the school teachers who ran Scripture Union invited me along to a young people's fellowship in a place called Keith. and those who are historians may have, um, or, or church historians may have heard of Keith Baptist Church because Keith was where Sir William Sinclair founded the first Baptist church in Scotland apparently around about 1750. Um, They weren't meeting in the same building, I have to add, but it was the same place. And I went along there and that's where I came to faith and was baptised at the age of of 16. And I think in those days, you know, McLaren talks about simplicity, it was a simplistic face in the terms that, not that it was simple, because it was, um, you know, just easy, It it was simplistic in the way that I didn't challenge things too much. Whatever I was taught, if somebody stood in a pulpit and says this is what the Bible said, then that was good enough. So it was, it was simplistic in that way, and um, things tended to be, to be black and white. Um, and uh, I think Holly and I were discussing last week, and um, we were talking about a book we'd both read, and I read just before I went off to college by Rob Bell, and he talks about theology, um, Allowing it to be like bouncing on a trampoline where that you can, you can jump up, but there are springs that have a, a limit on where you can go and you come back again. And I can't remember, I think it might have been in the same book, but there was also another analogy about a brick wall. And people used to tell me at that time, well, you know, if you take it from Genesis, from the story where Adam and Eve were born, you have to believe that quite literally, the flood story is everything right through quite literally. And it all fits together like building a wall. So you can't question parts, because if you take some bricks out, the whole lot will fall down. And I guess in the early days, my faith was like that. I was probably scared to take some bits out and examine them, but always knew that there were questions there, but just kept it all a bit safe by, by not challenging the structure of the wall.
0: So skipping, <clears throat> skipping forward a wee bit, how did you come to study at the Scottish Baptist College?
4: Yeah, well, that, that, that's skipping on a further bit, and of course... Um, skipping I, your I whole
0: first me. two careers and going None straight way. for straight for number
4: three. Yeah, that, that's fine. Somebody <laughs> says that I started my career with hot air, and I finished with hot air, so there's <laughs> a it's probably some truth in that. Um, but by this stage, I, I'd, I'd come... We'd been in the Church of Scotland, and at one point just in the way that it was handled quite badly and I've still got lots of friends in the Church of Scotland I'm not undermining the difficult things that are going on now with closing churches but back then in this particular situation it wasn't wasn't done very healthily Um, it certainly wasn't congregational in my view Um, and there were questions in my mind about baptism anyway because as I say I hadn't been allowed to be baptized as a child but Unfortunately, later on discovered that um, I think it's better to get done as an adult. So all of that had gone on, all of that journey had taken place through life, changing denomination, changing church, family growing up, life experience, work experience. I had a lot of experience inside the church, various roles. Um, I've, been a, I've been an elder in the Church of Scotland, a deacon in the Baptist church, a church secretary, and so on. And people quite often said to me, well, why don't you become a minister? And I said, well, you don't really become a minister, um you you need to answer a call to become a minister, but I never really knew what shape or form that might take. But when I was around about fifty, the church I was in here and went went through a difficult experience as churches do at times. There was a potential split the church secretary had moved on. I was asked to take on that role and I did that for a number of years. Um and then at one point um we had the pastor left so A bit like yourself, Holly, had to step up to the mark in a vacancy and do things that I never imagined I'd be doing and people kind of looked to you in this leadership role and the question just began to arise, perhaps this is what I should be doing with my life in a full-time way. And from there it developed into looking into ways that I I would finance this and the finance came to an offer of an early release package and a number of things just fell into place. So in uh, September 2010, I ended up starting at the, the Scottish Baptist College for four years of, of full-time study, haven't been to the, the Board of Ministry who, who had approve that. So sorry, if I wandered off the question or was still on? No,
0: not at all, we were on, how did you come to study at the Scottish Baptist College? So you're, uh, you're right on track because you've, you've got us to the Scottish Baptist College. <laughs> okay, thanks. And could, maybe then can you tell us a wee bit about what your time was like at the college and perhaps the, you can go on to talk a wee bit about the early days of your ministry as well if you want to. But
4: uh. Yeah, I thought my time, um, you have to be careful saying what's the best days of your life when your wife's sitting next to you, but <laughs> um, barring high moments in family like marriage and having children and the, your children getting married and grandchildren and all the rest of it, I think you know the four years I, I studied initially. It was I was asked to do three years, and I opted to do the, the fourth year because I didn't want to miss out on on the, the honours year and that extra year of learning. Um, but having gone there with no not, not, uh, no academic background, left school with two C pass all o, o levels, and the rest were fails, and didn't think studying really mattered anymore. But it, it was just a wonderful opportunity. To, to learn theologically, but also I would say in those four years, I learned an awful lot about myself, and in those days they said it was better to attend the college, I know nowadays you, you can attend online, because that being there in that environment was formative, and that was certainly true, and they were very very happy years, very good years, you know, difficult at times, a lot of travelling, juggling things financially, and all that you could, might imagine could go with that, but certainly I would say I thrived within those years and they set me well up for ministry. And During the summers of the years I went to college, I developed a little bit of a relationship with Dingwall Baptist Church and provided kind of summer pastorate there for two years. I didn't naturally just jump and go there as soon as I finished college, I did look at other places, but it, it turned out that um, um, the call to Dingwall did come eventually. So I spent six years there and um, I would say really, really loved the area, loved the people, got on well with the people in the church and in the community. It's a very small church and there were only just over 20 members. I voluntarily took a a kind of pay cut, did a full-time job for a a part-time wage, but we we worked with that. Um, There were lots and lots of highs and, and good times, obviously, you have your... Your lows and they're like people anywhere else, sometimes people fall out, we had bereavements, we had all sorts of things, but generally it was a positive, good time, good work in the community, I was always welcomed into schools, Um, we had a soup kitchen, we had people came along who were socially challenged, drug problems, all sorts of things. Um, there, There were many things, one of the most precious things was being able to befriend some Syrian refugees which was actually voluntary work but later on the church got involved and we helped them after i retired we've been able to do that with some afghan refugees as well so all that sort of thing was really empowering and encouraging other people to take part in that and and to be part of this church not just a, a model of church where we had a minister and leaders telling you what to do but people were involved in that it was really really good but unfortunately in such a uh, a small church I was doing everything from opening up several days a week for groups who, who used the facilities and um, to repairing the roof and the guttering it became exhausting and unsustainable really and in the end I tired out and, and crashed and, and burned but I guess that leads on to your next question.
0: <laughs> so um, going back a wee bit if you don't mind to your time at the college and those early days of ministry you said at the previous stage of your faith, uh, the faith was very black and white. Um, during your time at the the college and in those early days of ministry, what was your faith like then?
4: Yeah, I think that's what McLaren talks about, complexity. And um, I think you move beyond, you know, taking the, the, the stories in the Bible literally, whether it's Adam and Eve, the story of Jonah, all these things, to... Being prepared to allow a bit of stretch, find reasoning, other ways, other answers, and I enjoyed all that, and I was fine with all that, and I found that actually you could take Brexit a little while, if it did fall out, it was because it was built on a wrong, a wrong construct, wrong founds, and everything anyway. So you had to rebuild things. So I, I enjoyed that process, that time of of, of complexity and, and studying theology, and part of the challenge of being a pastor is taking people on that journey with you we maybe still have a very simplistic view and some people never change and you have to leave them at that but I, I was I was happy to, to be open more open-minded to be flexible and to be able to explore things you
0: started to sure. oh, you started to um, speak a wee bit there about um, some of the challenging parts of ministry and particularly ministry in a really small church in a small place Um. Would you like to say a wee bit more about that?
4: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's challenging. Uh, you, you know, there, there's a lot we could go into here and we haven't got time, but our personality types play a bit part of, of, um, of how we handle things. And our personalities are shaped by things that happened to us in childhood. And some of that wasn't very positive for me. Um, so I was the type of person by nature who couldn't just go along and think, well, this thing's bubbling along nicely. I could look at the account sheet and say, well, next year you're not going to have the finances to pay me. And I didn't want it to fall down or fall apart on, on my watch. So it greatly worried me and concerned me. And other people would just say, well, it's fine. God will provide. Um, but that that's the way I was. So when I say I got exhausted, part of it is I was doing a lot. But I'm quite a physically fit, active person. And I don't think that was the real problem. I think the real problem is that I started to wear myself down by doubts and concerns about trying to hold something up and keep something going that that really wasn't sustainable in a realistic way because people were dying off quicker than they were coming in. And even when new people did come in, we had some lovely developments with um, young families and children, which the church never had before. Their expectation of church is different than the older generation. They just want to come when they can manage. They just put a token amount in the offering compared to people who used to, you know, donate, re- you know, large amounts by direct debit. All of this stuff, all the practicalities of it all, is a model of church that with a small number of people was becoming difficult to sustain and, and wearing me down. And then eventually I decided that I couldn't continue this and decided to retire early, which, um, it was complicated because COVID had just come along and generally people were very supportive, but there was somebody who didn't quite understand it and made life very difficult and I ended up signed off with stress before I retired. And the small doubts that you have, which are quite healthy, can then develop into quite big doubts to the stage that I end up wondering, well, what do I believe anymore? So when I, when I left the pastorate, that, that's where I was, you know, about three years ago. I wasn't sure what I believed anymore. And that, I,
0: <coughs> I imagine that that was quite a scary place to find yourself in.
4: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And we're three years down the line and it's a Sunday morning and you're still in church. Mm-hmm. So what do you think made you stay?
4: Then. Um, The short answer is I don't really know. I'll be honest, there were times when I I could have walked away. Maybe it's just habitual pattern, this is something I've done all my life. But I think deep inside there was a realisation, just as there was as a child, that there's more to this than the way way we see it sometimes. So there's a desire to try and recover something which is um, healthier, which is better than than I had before. and, and to, to, to find myself healed, to a certain extent, of, of some of the, the, the difficult things I've been through. Um, so I, I don't, that's not a very complete answer. I, I'm not sure that I have the full answer, but I've, I've stayed and I'm still here. And as you see, I'm still in the church and um, I'm very happy for that, actually. Yeah, I,
0: I I sometimes joke that um, sometimes I hear the Hemu love that will not let me go as a kind of threat, that actually there is a, I've like, not quite let go of my Presbyterian sense of, <laughs> of the fact that this isn't really a choice in, for me, um, and it sounds like it's some, in some way similar for you. Um, people are often scared that if they let doubt into their faith, that it's only going to have negative impacts, it's only going to have um, negative consequences. Do you think that there's positive impact or positive aspects of doubt and questioning?
4: Yeah, absolutely. When you're when you're in a difficult place or a dark place, it's maybe hard to see it that way. But um, I think it has to be positive because you know, in my younger, more evangelical days, we, you know, we we were we were told that we were on a quest for truth, and we found it here in the Bible and certain verses, as you say we're always taken quite literally and we had to do this for truth. But if we really want to get to truth, then, you know, we we have to, we have to allow these doubts and to explore them and and to just keep on moving. I mean, somebody in Hillhead said to me on one of our first journeys that, you know, um, he and his wife, they always had a kind of agnostic approach to, to all things. And that kind of struck me as a wow moment. I can be a Christian and I can be agnostic. And I thought, you know, that's okay because I'm looking for truth and at the end of the day I'll always be looking for truth and I don't think I'll find it by saying well I've got it nailed down I'm always I'm always here to learn.
0: That's really that's really it's a really interesting way of thinking about it um, so skipping forward a wee bit more to the present day back to my original question how did you and Valerie end up joining us at Hillhead?
4: Yeah, and um, when I was when I was in I was i have been aware of Hellhead Baptist Church for quite a long time because when I was in Glasgow first I, I shared a flat my first year as a student with a young lad not not far from the church then, Kelvinside, and I'd wandered along one night and I think you were meeting in the, the Wellington Church Hall and I joined in a service. I knew about Katrina through the college, she was going to she was going to teach there that term but unfortunately had to pull out because of her illness because of her cancer so there was a little bit of background knowledge there and people at the college and other people had spoken well of hellhead later on in life um, i became friendly with um francis bloomfield who you know who you all know very well Frances and i crossed over a little bit at college and some of the studies she was doing and when i finished my pre accredit years The Baptist Union offered me a pastoral supervisor. There were a couple of choices, but gladly I accepted the offer from Francis. So we we got on well in that professional relationship. And when I got into difficulty, um, you know, mentally and so on, Francis was able to help in the fact that she's a a trained counsellor. And um, I knew that she was involved a bit with yourselves with the facilitating, but I wasn't a part of that because that was before we came along. But Francis always spoke well of yourselves, and I know that there are a few people there, particularly from the college and other walks of life, who we've we've come across before. And I just thought, well, we've been—I've been retired. I'm coming up in three years now, but just over two two and a bit years. And I thought, I haven't fallen out with my church, by the way. I haven't fallen out with the church here, in what. We're still very good friends. But I just accept that we think differently, and I didn't want to just keep going along there week by week you know, just to pick a box that had been in church, I wanted to be part of a community where I feel that I could talk more openly and um, I feel that, you know, um, Hillhead certainly ticks that and a number of other boxes in the way that we feel that, that worship, that church should be. So when we heard that we could meet in a hybrid way, that that sounded exciting, so we approached Katrina who advised us to take a few months to get to know you and your idiosyncrasies, as she called them. <laughs> our words not money. But then, um, whatever they are, we like them. And, you know, it, just, it was just a natural flow from there that we, we should come into membership. membership. But I have to say, at one point, I thought it would be tempting being on Zoom to just opt out and not, not be there so often. But we really hardly missed the week, and we just built a new routine. And we certainly feel a part of it, even when we're we're just joining online. So, so, that that that's that's how we got there.
0: Thank you. And that's been so interesting to hear the whole sweep of a faith journey, although very condensed, as you you said whenever we first met. That um, it's a uh, it's a lot of life to fit into twenty minute chat, which and uh, you've done very well at summarising things. If you don't mind to finish on a slightly tricky question, but, um, hopefully a positive one. Um, what would you say are the gifts of this stage of your faith?
4: I, I think something that's part of lifelong learning is learning to listen to people. Um, and I've benefited from people like Francis who have been good listeners to me, people like my wife, um, he's a very good patient listener. And, um, I've signed up for helping in our local secondary school as a mentor so that's a good opportunity to help help young people in, in listening and share life experience. I, I, um, I'm representing um, on the Baptist Union of Scotland's Council and the Board of Ministry and I, I find that those are gifts that have developed with time, there's still a lot to learn and I hope to continue to, to use them and to be able to continue to God's Kingdom in ways which is not always standing up front and directing people how they should be but there are other ways to, to, to engage with people and to help them in life's journey so yeah.
0: i just want to finish by saying thank you so much to willie for sharing with us this morning if we could express our appreciation <laughs> to Willie. and uh, valerie can probably join you back on camera now <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> hello. Uh, We continue our worship by joining together in the hymn. We limit not the truth of God's.
5: come to God with our prayers for others and for each other let's all pray together loving god we thank you for the many ways that you speak to us through scripture through prayer and worship through the world of nature around us and the people we meet through the experiences of life and our daily walk with you in all kinds of ways you speak to us but so often we fail to listen to what you are saying we listen to a multitude of voices clamouring for our attention but we do not hear the still small voice within us grant us ears to hear and hearts to respond in obedience and faith. Lord, you always speak in Jesus. We hear him say, come, follow me. Help us to follow in his steps, pursuing the way of love and accepting the road of sacrifice. Grant that we may follow faithfully, eagerly, Devotedly, so that we may not lose heart, but keep faith to the end. We remember those serving with BMS World Mission, whose commitment to following Jesus takes them to the most vulnerable places around the world. This week we think of those serving in Mozambique, a country threatened by natural disasters such as cyclones and hurricanes. We pray for BMS as it supports farmers and self-help groups to provide for their families and also for those who give legal aid to protect the rights of widows, women and children. We hear Jesus saying, Inasmuch as you do it for the least of these, my children, you do it for me. Nearer to home, we think of our churches in the Baptist Union of Scotland. And this week we pray for the churches in Montrose, Motherwell, Nairn, and New Prestwick Baptist Church in Ayr. As they seek to follow Jesus in their own communities. We pray that they may speak the good news in word and action. Loving God, you came to our world through Jesus Christ, and so now we bring our world to you. There is so much need around us, in our neighborhood, our city, our country, our world. Floods in Libya, continuing war in Ukraine, oppression in Afghanistan and many Middle Eastern nations, families in our own city depending on food banks and wondering how to make ends meet. Show us where and how we can respond. Give us the means, the will, the commitment and the love to reach out in the name of Christ, offering something of ourselves to others, even as he offered his all for us. We bring our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: honest, sometimes more honest silence. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to question and our hearts to understand that you are always here with us. We finish by sharing the words of the grace with each other. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all
2: now and evermore. Amen. Amen.